0: Aloha, thank you for pressing play. Welcome to the Eating Curveballs for Breakfast podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Mahoy, and your biggest fan when it comes to hitting those curveballs that life, sports, or parenting can throw you right out of the park. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. What's up, guys? I just wanted to share this cool conversation I had with Coach Reed Maltby. Uh, from echoes beyond the game and we were talking about the power of words we did this interview and this chat for impact nation but i thought you'd enjoy it too so here it is hey thanks so much for pressing play it's stacy Mahoy here with coach reed super excited to have coach reed here Um, i'm your host here part of uh, the leadership team at impact nation so the reason i wanted to talk to coach reed today is because he was he actually interviewed, actually, we interviewed each other. Um, We interviewed you, and then you interviewed me. And along the way, I heard him talking about the power of words and how important they are um, as leaders, as parents, as coaches, as someone who has influence. And um, the thing about it is, though, that as much as we hear about how important words are, right, to speak life, that words have meaning and they affect our lives. Coach Reed just takes it to this whole nother level, so I'm super excited to dig in with him. But before we get to that, um, Reed, why don't you give the people who are listening, may not know who you are, why don't you give them some background, um, tell us a little bit about you and uh, what led you to kind of this part of your journey.
1: Sure. So I was, a, uh, I was an athlete, obviously uh, heavy into sports growing up. Soccer was my main sport. I got into coaching soccer at 16 years old. My coach said, "This will change your life," and he was right. Uh, so I, I coached. I've coached now for 30 years. Uh, along the way, I picked up a couple master's degrees to sort of complement the coaching. So I've got one in in sports psychology or or behave, you know, sport behaviors, and I've got one in early childhood development. Which uh, um, and then. Words became really important to me, I think very early on. In high school, I, I loved to write. I was a creative writer. I was always in my own head. That was always the joke is I'd come to the sideline at halftime of a game when my dad was still coaching me at 12 years old. And he'd I'd say something and he'd turn to his assistant coach and say, you owe me five bucks. And I'd say, what was that about? And later, and he'd say, we bet that when you came to the sideline, you'd still be talking about X or that you would say X because words, I was always in my head. So uh, when, I, when I got heavy into coaching and realized the impact that, I, that, that the players had on me in my life, and then that the impact that in return I could have on them based on what my mentors had done for me, uh, I went and did a TEDx talk in 2015 to talk about the power of our words. And that sort of pushed me in this direction where I am now uh, do a lot of work with uh, national governing bodies. U.S. Sailing's one of them, um, soccer shots, uh, franchising, I do a lot with them on how we help coaches create a better learning environment through the words they use, conflict resolution, how we speak and interact with children, and then the whole verbal arena, not, or the whole um, communication arena, not just the verbal, but the visuals and all those other pieces. So that's, that's what I do now. I have a company called Raising Excellence. I believe that every human being has a right to raise and chase their excellence every day. And as leaders, it's our job to educate them, to inspire them, and, and to raise them in a way that, that they do that.
0: I love that. So, um, like I said in the in the little bit of the intro was that we, I mean, the importance of words is not something new, um, but when I started looking into some of the things you were talking about, I mean, you take it into like science and, you know, how the brain is formed and all of these things. I'm like, this is like next level stuff. So it's super interesting to me. And I'm curious, maybe what was something that you learned along the way that maybe surprised you about um, common knowledge versus like what you've learned in everything that you've studied that maybe leaders out here, coaches, parents may not know yet. Is there anything that stands out to you in that regard?
1: Probably the the brain reaction to words was really something that surprised me. When I went to to do the talk on the power of coaches words, I really wanted to know what kind of impact we had long-term physically. I wanted to connect it to the physiological world because if we continue to talk in quote-unquote soft science, they're just people who are, who you, can, you can't see the results, then you can't believe in them and understand them. And so, realizing that brain scans, functional magnetic resonance brain scans, were showing similar changes in the brain, physical changes in the brain, as it, uh, to that of children who'd been um, uh, po- uh, who'd been um, subjected to to um, physical abuse, chronic physical abuse, we were seeing similar reactions in the brain to children who were, who were exposed to chronic verbal abuse. And so that was very surprising to realize that. And it makes sense now that you look back, the brain processes words, the way it does the environment around it to them, to the brain, it's, it's indistinguishable whether somebody's been hit or verbally assaulted, the brain is, is establishing it as a threat in trauma. So that was uh, extremely surprising because it, it made me realize that even unknowingly as parents and leaders and teachers and coaches and, you know, mentors to and role models, the things we say were actually having an impact, whether we knew it or not.
0: Yeah, that's pretty powerful. So can you tell us maybe a little bit about, um, as, as you learned more and, uh, I think you and I both have gone through the process of you know when you know better you do better. (laughs) We didn't know a lot you know everything that we know now before and we've definitely made mistakes along the way so what were some of the mistakes maybe that you've made that you can identify um, in your journey?
1: I I did a lot of it was the way I would pose questions to my kids or my athletes it was the way I would ask them things. I, I thought oh I'm being great I'm being a Socratic coach I'm being democratic I'm I'm seeking knowledge. I'm educating my educare. I'm drawing knowledge out of them. I'm drawing the experience, but, but I would lead. I would use leading questions. I would put the answer in the question. You know, I would ask them, should you, should you use your right foot there? Well, I'm already leading them to the answer. So I, was I really drawing knowledge out or was I implanting knowledge with the words I was used or, you know, just questions like the, the story with my son where I always asked him after every game, did you score? If I didn't see him play, I'd say, did you score? And I didn't think the fact that I was setting him up—that that's what mattered most. That's what I valued was him scoring. So when he wasn't scoring goals, did his value to me decrease? In his own brain, he's saying, "Does my dad not love me because I'm not a goal scorer like him?" Because that's the question he always asks. And so those were the big lessons: is realizing that whether we mean it or not, whether we we intend it or not, and w- whether the consequences are are deep and long lasting or short term the way we say things and what words we use actually do change the behaviors of the people around us. I mean, I'm, I'm a geek for Zen philosophy. I'm a geek for Eastern, you know, relig- religions and philosophies. And I, I took a bunch of courses in undergrad and I, I, you know, my wife's now a yoga practitioner. And so we, we talk a lot about that impact and, and it, it, it's, it's almost akin to, to the idea that, you know, when you start to think about that the world is driven by the language we use that, As we speak to the people around us, we're creating thoughts and those thoughts turn into feelings and those feelings get deeper and become emotions and those emotions drive behaviors and repeated behaviors become habits and habits become who we are. And so, oh my goodness, my language patterns actually accidentally or on purpose will shape the people around me and shape the world around me. It's very esoteric, but it's, you can see it happening every day.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I think that's a really important point, right? Whether we realize it or not, whether we're consciously or not consciously putting forth that effort, whether we realize what the actual impact is, there is an impact, right? So if there is an impact, then how do we make that the best or what more of what we intend, um, rather than like, and I've done the same thing as you, where I've said things and I thought it was, like this great supportive, like, I believe in you thing that I was communicating, but on the other end, it felt very different. And I didn't know that until my children brought it up. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> I was like, how, how is it that you felt that? And then, you know, through deeper discussion, it was like, oh my goodness, I had never looked at it from that angle, but on the receiving end, and when you're talking to teenagers or children, their brains not fully developed, we really it's very interesting how sometimes the messages that we send with the greatest intentions, they can either, it's either received completely differently or they take it and it goes to this extreme that we never intended. And it becomes something that isn't actually very helpful. Um, an example from my own life is about humility. I was always taught about, you know, being humble and not being prideful and all these things. Right. But in my mind, um, someone who was prideful and not humble, was someone who was always like bringing attention to themselves, putting themselves in the spotlight, that sort of thing. And I was like, so in my mind, it was like, okay, well, if that's what not humble is, then humble is completely staying out of it, drawing zero attention to yourself, like not being seen at all. Right. Which is probably not the intended message, but that's kind of where my brain went as a kid. So, um, it's interesting to, to reflect back on that and look at, well, what did the people, the mentors and the teachers who were communicating this message actually mean versus like, how did I receive it and where did I go with it, right? So it's become very important to me, especially when we have these communication, we have these discussions amongst, you know, parents, peers, leaders about uh, training athletes or raising kids or whatever the case may be. And there's a lot of beliefs or um Blanket statements that are made. And I'm like, we need a lot more nuance to that, right? We can't just say this and not really explain the depth of it because a kid can take that and run somewhere completely different with it. So I like to really dig in with people and be like, well, what about this situation? And what about this situation? So when you're saying, right, quitting is for losers or only lose, you know, failure or whatever, like you only fail if you quit. What if they are a situation that needs to be quit? What if they're in a bad situation and have in their mind, well, if I quit, I'm a failure, right? Um, and where does that put them? So we need to ha- add more to the conversation than just the only time you can fail is if you quit or that kind of, you know, phrases, phrasing that we hear a lot, especially in the sports world. So um, do you have anything to add to that by any chance?
1: <laughs> sorry i do actually i i i fully agree with you i think that we speak in absolutes a lot and i think that we apply um we apply universal truths or universal beliefs to groups of people versus really being digging in with individuals and so and and it is you know it's Co- coach Gunny out of australia always says i'm sorry but i'm gonna i'm gonna take the fence here and say it depends well there's a lot of times in coaching and, and leading people that it it does depend and um, I was just talking with, with Joel Franco, uh, the youth sports documentary, uh, the guy that's doing youth sports documentary out of, um, uh, Las Vegas. I was talking to him yesterday, a mentor mentoring him in Rome and we were chatting about cognitive behaviors and stuff. And he brought up, you know, well, do you believe in so-and-so do and he was bringing up people who were talking about the cognitive side. And I said, I do, but they're still treating people like machines. They're saying, well, if you teach an athlete, this they'll have grit. And if you program athletes this way, they'll be resilient. And if you, I said, but humans aren't machines. There's a social emotional learning component that's just a lost on a lot of us when we're dealing with people. And that's what you're talking about is that social emotional component that when we're working with people, we can't speak in absolutes and we have to speak to that person in that moment and that emotional space that they're in to really truly have the right kind of impact. So I can't go into a practice saying, I'm gonna talk to every one of my athletes this way and I'm gonna program them to do this. No, you get in front of that person, and you start to read that emotional space and you realize that the, the chi, the emotional energy that they're in, that's how you have to speak to them. If that person's had a bad day, then you may need to change the way you say what you say so that it has the right kind of impact. If they're, if they're overstepping their bounds or they're in danger or they're endangering somebody around them, then you might change the words you use to draw them back in. So I, I totally agree with you. It's, it really is. Coaching is an art and a science. And a lot of times now we've shifted so far over into the science side that we're forgetting that these aren't machines. These are human beings. And from moment to moment, their emotional reactions to the world around them are very different. And my words are going to shape your emotional reactions. And so I have the ability to help you manage your emotional intelligence based on how I speak to you. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's really, um, it's really interesting because I, I definitely have seeing how there's this mentality that well if we do x it produces y right or if we do x and they're going to do y every single time it should work and if it doesn't they're the problem (laughs) right then they're the ones that are having the problem and that's just not the case right and anyone who has children they give us the opportunity to learn that what worked Last month may not work this month. And what worked even yesterday, <laughs> today may be different. And like you're saying, from moment to moment, they, they're going through different things, right? Over the course of the day, we feel many different emotions. We feel different our energy levels and all these things. And um, it would be nice if all we had to do was do one thing and be one way and have one method of delivery. Um, it would be simple for us, but that's not actually what's most effective. And um, one thing that I've been blessed with leaders... Um, in my life who have demonstrated to me what it really means to truly meet someone where they are and then just work with them from that point. It's very, very powerful. And they've done that for me, which is what opened my eyes to just how unbelievably helpful and powerful that is. And um, that's also kind of what you're talking about with all of you know, those different variables that are there at any given time when we're working with human beings, not machines or not robots. So uh, I love that you brought that up. Um, and, uh, it's
1: funny just to go on that. It's funny. They, so a lot of times psychology and social emotional learning space and those pieces of the puzzle, they call them soft sciences, quote unquote, because you can't really quote unquote, measure the data like you could a hard science. And I'd almost say that it's hard sciences and difficult sciences. And we're playing in a difficult science space. It's not a soft science. It's a difficult science, because like you said, it is It is ever changing. The variables, the extraneous variables, the factors, you just, there is no way to nail down a formula or an algorithm to solve the human puzzle when leading and influencing and coaching people. There just isn't because there's so many factors that change. Hard sciences, sometimes you can get very clear cut. A equals B, you know, do this to this mix and you're going to create this catalyst. Every time. yeah, Yeah, every time, every time. We can do it in the lab every time we're on a playing field
0: nope, this is the difficult <laughs> science my friend <laughs> or even in a workspace or you know any kind of community right where it's more than just right. yourself that you're dealing with even then exactly. I mean that gets tricky as well <laughs> sometimes it's easier to uh give in- input to someone else than it is to figure out your own puzzles so <laughs> that's why we love yeah. to have these conversations too so I appreciate your time and um I'm wondering if there's anything else that you have to say as far as like maybe some of the shifts that you've seen right so we've talked a little bit about the impact it can have even if we're unaware um on you know some some of the negative impacts that you talked about your son and i talked about my experience but what are some things that as you've learned and as you've made shifts in your life like how have you seen that transform either relationships or your coaching or teams athletes whatever any kind of um, outcomes that you can talk about
1: sure what i noticed the biggest in my own coaching was when I started becoming more aware of, of my language, my words, even just like, like I said, the communication patterns I was doing with my facial expressions and my body language and what I valued because athletes pick up on what you value. And that's a, that's an, a nonverbal communication. If I, for instance, say, you know, be creative, make, take risks, make mistakes. And then I sub you out and punish you the moment you make a mistake in a game. My value was don't take risks, even though I was saying. So once I started to become more intentional and aware of that and really. Just, I started videoing myself. I would go home and and review practice sessions and games in my head to figure out what I said and did. Once I did that, the relationships changed. That was the biggest key. It wasn't that the athlete's performance and everything changed. They did But it was the relationships. And I'm currently working with US Sailing on their Sable Sailors program. And one of the things we're trying to do is we're trying to show, we're, we're, we're building it from scratch and so we're building the curriculum alongside the coaching education pieces and all that and what we're trying to show is that if you take care of the social emotional space of athletes that their performance will increase in lockstep and you can't just plug it in later or make it a bullet point in a 6 day course like well we did address it we had three bullets on day 5 and so you should be good at psychology with 8 year olds now no that it's got to be cooked in there and part of everything you do that their performance will increase and that's the thing i noticed is as the relationships as this social and emotional IQ for all of us began to raise, began to get better. Our relationships got better. And when those relationships got better, performance automatically got better in everybody, in me as a coach, in my players. And I'm seeing it now with with doing the realm mentorship stuff. I, I require anybody that does the mentorship with me to submit videos to me. And then what we do is I say, you review the video. I'll review the video you come to the video discussion with already having watched yourself and decided, and then we're just going to chat through. We're going to compare notes. And so the big thing that they always say is how much more aware they are of what they're saying, how they're saying it, when they're saying it, what the reactions of the people around them. Like they, they said, I never paid attention to the athletes around me and how they reacted to what I was doing and saying, and now I see it. And because of that, their coaching's changed. And Joel says it, uh, um, Ken Wilner out of Australia says, "Man, every word that comes out of my mouth is being run through four or five different filters before it comes out because I saw the video and realized, like, like I said, it wasn't just him; it was the relationship of his players. Their their chi when his chi was being spoken. So that's been the biggest, the most profound uh, reaction or, or 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 revelation for me lately is is that."
0: yeah there's so many things about that that you every everything that you just said there's all these things popping up in my brain three of them stand out for for you know at the top but um i don't even know if i'm going to remember them all as we talk about this but (laughs) but one was about how I, and I see this a lot, where as parents, coaches, leaders, teachers, we talk about one thing, right? We talk about like, this is important, but then our actions say something completely different, like exactly as you said. And I don't know how many people are aware of that. I certainly wasn't until maybe, you know, more recently. <laughs> so totally understandable. Um, the other thing you talked about was the social when you take care of the social the emotional part of things. Um, and the thing that that reminded me of as an athlete, looking back, I was like, time that I felt like, okay, everything is well in my world. And I feel like things are, you know, uh, everything is in order, what, what, whatever the case may be. That's how I described it in my mind. Um, and human connection, obviously, is very important to human beings in general, right? That kind of is a big part of all of that. But I just thought of like, how when you have that feeling, that's kind of how in my mind, reflecting back on this, as an athlete, I was like, that's how I was able to very easily get into flow. And when you're in flow, you perform, right? So it's like getting yourself into that state, those relationships are part of that, right? When you have those strong relationships in your life and when you feel connected and you feel heard and you feel valued and all of those things, well, obviously, as a human being, you're gonna feel better. And, <laughs> when, and when you're not having all this other stuff going on, on um, you know, being able to get into that state of peak performance and and athletes know what it's like to be in that state of flow. And the thing that I try to communicate to parents many times is that like, that's not just for athletes. Like we can get into that state as leaders and as parents and people are like, well, I don't know what to do when this happens and when that happens, I'm like, well, I can't give you the one answer that's gonna work every time, just as we've already discussed. And I'm like, but what I found is that when I'm in a better state of mind, right? And when I'm kind of more in that state of flow, the ideas of what to say in response to this human being who's standing here in front of me given all of those things that are happening in the situation, um, they come a lot more quickly. Or I actually have an idea of what I could say to sort of move the situation along. Versus if I'm stuck in frustration with them, that doesn't happen. (laughs) That doesn't happen. So um, this has been an amazing discussion. I always enjoy speaking with you. And I just wanted to give you an opportunity before we wrap this up, if there's anything else that you would like to share, any project that you're working on that maybe people can connect with you on or find more information about words even. Um, where should they go? What are you working on? What would you like to invite them into?
1: Yes, sorry, my screen, clear my screen. Um, so the biggest thing right now is, is Dr. Jane Nelson and I finished our tool cards. We'd been working on the book and it, got, it kept getting delayed for various reasons. But as you've already read an advanced copy of, of Echoes Beyond the Game, Uh, And so I've got that coming out hopefully soon, as soon as I can get to a point where I can get it edited and published. And then Jane and I are finishing the coach's handbook for positive discipline tools for coaches. And that's been my most powerful learning experience over the last 18 months is because that really is playing in the social emotional space. And so I'd, I'd encourage people to check out. Um, positive pd at play is one of the websites pd at play.com or or just go to positive discipline you can find the tool cards we created them for coaches we're doing workshops behind them that's where the real power comes out is when you're workshopping with people and they're using certain language and then you change the language and so they go through these scenarios where they say things one way and then you give them a slip and they say it a different way when they feel the, the emotional change in the people around them even when it's role playing they start to understand that And that's been my, my biggest thing is bringing the social emotional space into coaching, like not leaving it on the sideline or making it an afterthought or teaching, treating it like there's a formula there, but really getting people to understand how they interact and communicate with the people around them and how it has to alter from moment to moment. So that's my big one is just keep an eye out for the book Uh, workshops coming out, hopefully. And then obviously echoes beyond the game will be coming out soon, which is I struggle with it because I'm a word person and so I, I want it to be perfect, but it is is—it is all about, as you read, it's all about words. It's the different words we use and what they do to the brain and how we can actually inhibit performance if we change those words that are right now prohibitive to peak performance.
0: Can you, right before we, why don't we wrap this up with, is there a specific example, maybe a, a basic one that you can think of that you can leave um, for whoever's watching this or listening in um, maybe one specific shift that you see a lot of people commonly take a certain approach and that there's, what's one shift that they can make in, in that? Is there something that comes what's, to mind?
1: Yeah. So the, probably the biggest one is the, but word, but it's not that you can't use the word, but, but a lot of times what we do is we cancel out the emotions or we cancel out the, the, the validation of other people. When we say things like, but to them, like if a child wants to do one thing, and it's time to move on to the next activity. We typically say, I know you wanna do that, but I wanna do this. And so what you've done is you've completely invalidated that child and that child's feelings, and they have a right to that feeling. They have a right to, 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 the, to feel the way they feel. And so it's switching it to an and kind of conversation. It's called being called kind and firm. It's one of the cards. And Jane's an expert, she's brilliant at this, but it's the idea of saying, I get that you wanna do this, and we're now going to do that. So you validated what that child does, but you've moved that child into another space. And I always say that butt is the stinkiest part of the conversation. When you're talking to somebody and you say, man, you're such a great athlete. You have so much intelligence. You, you know you know the game really well, but you're the slowest kid on the team. They forget everything you said before the butt. It's just the stink overwhelms everything that was said before the butt. And so all you get is this negative impact. How can we change that and use butt when it matters, but then start to switch it to words like and or Rather or you know something that allows not even rather because rather is almost a canceling word But how can you have conversations with people that validates how they feel validates where they are and validates? What happened prior but moves them to a different space? I really love the fact that you play with your heart and It's it adds so much value to the team It you know, and then you ask them. What would it be like if you also every once in a while took a pause and thought thought through a a moment or strategize you know i don't know but you know like switching that butt out
0: yeah that that's a big one and that's something that i learned um through some friends and and working with uh, with one family in particular when they were, you know, their daughter was struggling with like really getting up and getting motivated and doing all the things that she needed to do because she struggles with anxiety. Like she has this issue, right? And so they were like, I mean, I get that it's, you know, it's hard and all of this, but da 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 da. And I'm like, well, as soon as you said but though, right? Like you just told her, like, I get that this is difficult, but and it's like everything else, she's not actually feeling heard or understood as soon as we put that butt in there. So, and a friend of mine was one that we were having conversation we, I'm in this group where we have really controversial discussions, but it's a safe place where we all understand that like we're not attacking each other. Like this is just what's coming out of our brain and let's talk about it. So she's the one that taught me yes and right so when someone is saying something it's like you can go yes and and then you can introduce a different idea or introduce maybe even a contrary idea right for them to consider whatever the case may be so yes and instead of but is definitely one that I, uh, <laughs> I put in my pocket so that uh, I can have better conversations especially with people that I care about because I think we've probably all had that Um, experience where we're talking with someone that we really truly care about and we're trying to help them because we can see an issue that's going on and we can see what a possible solution is, but how we're communicating is just making them really defensive and it kind of ends up damaging their relationship. They can't even hear what we have to say, even though it's coming from a lot of love. And that's, a, for me personally, that's a very difficult thing to go through. And I was like, well, I need to learn how to communicate so that the people that I love, I can actually help them instead of offend them, <laughs> right? Or, or anybody that we come across and that we end up caring about because we have this interaction and and we just you know feel for them and, and we want to provide something that can be helpful in their journey. Um, but I definitely had that experience many times where I was like, man, I'm giving you the exact information that was helpful for me, but they can't take it in because I'm not delivering it in a way that they can actually receive. So that has become something that's very important to me, which is probably why when you talked about it, I'm like, oh my goodness, I need to learn more about this. So uh, <laughs> thank you for taking the time to be here. Um, any last words before we go? We'll wrap this up.
1: Yeah, I just say, going on what you just said, it, it's, it's everybody's right to have that be profoundly outspoken, right? We all have a story to tell. We all have magic. And a lot of times we're afraid to say out loud what's in our heads or we're afraid to share our magic with the world or the people around us the way, like you said, the way they interact with us, they silence that magic. Don't let people tell your story. You tell your story the way it was meant to be told. Be profoundly outspoken. Be kind. Be, be, be loving. Be mindful. Be mindful. But speak your mind, you know, like be true with your words with people and don't be afraid to say what's in your brain because we, the more we share with the people around us and the more we use really, really mindful language, the more powerful it is for them. So if people, like you said earlier, being humble isn't being quiet, being humble is just a matter of realizing that you're just a wave in the ocean. The Mm -hmm. wave doesn't think it's the greatest part of the ocean. It knows it's part of the ocean, but it still has great power an impact on the world. And it still roars, it still tumbles through and creates the surf for you. So that's how we should be as profoundly outspoken as human beings.
0: Love that. Perfect way to wrap it up. Thank you so much, Coach Reed, for your time. I appreciate you. And I'm so glad we could connect today and have this conversation to share with others.
1: Thank you. I, I so very much appreciate you. All
0: right.